Guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy. The sponsor of today's show is Evest, a digital brokerage firm founded with the vision of bringing trust and credibility to the world of online trading. Evest provides investors with better opportunities in the online trading industry, offering self-trade service with high level of security and secured global licenses. Evest offers 100% reliable stocks with zero commission. Buy fitness challenges on at the moment, uh, and it's obviously the weather's good. There's a lot of outdoor activity. It's one of the initiatives that gets people gets behind people getting fit in the city. Uh, and there's also great initiatives like Dubai Can, which supports uh, sustainability uh, agenda for the region as well. Uh, and that's the topic of our conversation today: a startup, uh, a commercial startup that uh, also is in the sustainability space. We've had COP27. In Egypt this week, you'll see a lot of that on Love and Cairo being covered at the moment and the Smashy Green channels. But of course, this is Dubai Works. And if you do like this interview, I'll point you towards a few other that are similar. There was an interview with the founder of Humantra. Uh, there was also Katie from Natural Water who spoke about her product as well. Obviously, in, in the way back in the past, we've had Chris Fade, uh, who does Fade Fit. So a lot of snacks and distribution. We had Gary from Bit Hit, uh, which is also distribution of uh, water and brand building. So all similar stories to what you'll hear today. Enjoy the conversation. Welcome back to another episode of Dubai Works Business Podcast. Uh, a typical, brilliant Dubai Works uh, interview today with all, you know, all the hallmarks that we'll have on uh, the show with Cyrus Alavi. He is the founder and CEO of New Order, their homegrown sustainable beverage brand. Uh, they're battling an ever-growing issue of single-use plastics uh, within the region and playing a focus on relaying the impact of microplastics has on our body. So, good morning, Cyrus. Good morning. Thank you for having me on. And thanks for coming in. So, yeah, I'm familiar with New Water, but can you tell us a bit more about it, how it started and what it is? Yeah, so New Water started as an idea. I come from the UK. In the UK, recycling is a big thing out there. You have to be able to separate your recycling. And moving to the UAE... I was using a vast amount of plastic bottles. And I think a lot of people were doing that as well. You've seen some people with these kind of five gallon tanks as well. And I thought there has to be an alternative to this. Um, so I looked into the market of the beverage industry and I saw that uh, aluminium cans are by far the most recyclable uh, beverage container available in the market. So if you were to go to your supermarket today, you would find that a plastic bottle on the shelf has about 3% recycled content versus the same aluminium can has 76% recycled content. Um, so I thought the biggest sector to tackle is water. Uh, so we put water into aluminium cans, and, but we wanted to give the consumer the same um, convenience they have with a plastic bottle as they, they can get with an aluminium can. So we have a resealable lid on top of it. So when the consumer goes to the supermarket and they see our products, apart from price point, there's no differentiation between the two products in terms of convenience and usability. Um, and that's how we want to get people to transition away from single-use plastics to aluminium cans, so we can really encourage that message around sustainability within the region. 
Amazing. So obviously, you know, we mentioned at the start, you're tackling an issue around yeah. uh, uh, plastic bottles, single yeah. use plastics. But not only that, you're actually entering the really competitive beverage industry. Yeah. <laughs> what, what was your background and how did you sort of So I, I was previously working at Apple. Um, so Apple teaches you a lot of things, but the main thing is branding. Um, so you pick up a lot of that. I spent seven years there, five years in the UK, two years in the UAE. Um, so even basic things like the experience of opening the box has been thought about by a hundred people, a hundred different times, just so you can have that experience. So when it goes into a brand, a CPG brand like beverage industry, you want to be able to create a product that gives an experience. So when we started creating the, uh, the bottle, we had this idea that we want people to feel bad when they throw it away. So having that mentality, you want to create something beautiful. Because if you go to the supermarket now and from a distance, you look at the water industry or the water aisle, all the plastic bottles look exactly the same. They've probably got a different color label or a different color cap or whatever it may be. But generally, it's all the same. So you want to create something that stands out in that market. Um, I moved to a private family office afterwards, and we focus a lot in sustainability in that region. A little bit different. We work in the aerospace industry, but still that concept of sustainability and creating products that actually can improve communities and regions was something that was instilled to me by then. Okay. And is this uh, New Order a product of that? No, office? no, it's separate. It belongs to me. Um, it's not, has, doesn't have anything to do with my kind of, you know, day to day, if you like. Yeah. Um, it's a, you know, self-funded brand. So you've self-funded the brand, but yeah. you also have a job. Yeah. <laughs> that must be tricky. It, it can be tricky. <laughs> it's a lot of work. Yeah. Um, you know, our, our, initially we wanted to self-fund it because it allows us the control to be able to do what we want in terms of direction. And we were quite confident in direction we wanted to take we are now in the stage where we're looking to be able to raise funding um, because without funding you're not able to compete in terms of distribution with these larger beverage companies and when these large beverage companies come out with a new product they get billboards on shakeside road and have every end cap and gondola in every supermarket in the uae so that visibility is something that can only be achieved with investment um, and that's something that's the process we're in now so we're now raising our seed round um, but we feel that we've got enough traction in the market that is interesting enough to an investor to be able to say, you know, there's something here and there's there's a market for us to be able to build. Can you quantify that traction? Um, it's, it's difficult to quantify. We quantify by endpoints. Revenue is one, of course. Uh, endpoints in terms of how many retail locations you're in. We're currently in about 300 retail locations. We need to be 10x of that by the end of this next year, the year coming. Um distribution is something that when you look into an exit because this is something that we would look to exit is where the value is as well as the brand um, so the more places you're in the more places the consumer can see the product uh, is something that a potential company that would look to acquire you would would see the value in uh, when did you start uh, two years ago, we spent about a year in uh, finalizing manufacturing, branding. There's a lot of certification that goes into building a product like this. So you can't just put water into a can and import it. There's a lot of work around the labeling and the kind of fonts you're using. So a lot of that was new to us. I think if I had hired someone to do it from the beginning, it would have been half that time. But you know, a self-funded startup, you don't have the ability to hire people and people. So you do everything yourself. Google, I thought was going to be a great resource to be able to work it out, but it wasn't because nobody's done it in this region. So it was difficult. We spent a lot of time. We made a lot of mistakes. 
um, which cost us money, but it allowed us to really appreciate and understand what it takes to bring a product like this onto the market. And so talk a little bit about that, that year, that process. Um, I can tell you the version of the can we have now is version 50. <laughs> wow, 50. <laughs> yes, version 50. I mean, we changed every little detail. We had an issue where we sent to print 100,000 cans and the font was two millimeters to the left. You know, we had to cancel it. We'd already printed some cans. So these are the kind of mistakes where uh, a seasoned entrepreneur may not make. But, you know, being a first-time business, first-time founder, those were things that we had to overcome. But now we know what to look for when we go into manufacturing. Um, we use co-packing agreements. So in co-packing agreements, you have to be very thorough in terms of quality. Can you explain um, what they are? Yeah, so co-packing agreement. So you have two options when you go into building a CPG brand or beverage brand. You can either build up your own manufacturing site. So you build a canning facility. If you are lucky, you have a source of water, which you can either import or you build your facility on the source of water. So companies such as Voss and Evian have their own facilities on their water sources. Or you can use a co-packing agreement where you go to a manufacturer and they essentially private label your brand. So they have their own facility, they have their own source of water, and they basically put your branding onto a blank can. Um, that for us is a better way because you have the speed and execution really to go to market quickly. It is, of course, less capital intensive because you don't have to spend money on that. We see ourselves in some aspects as a marketing company rather than a manufacturing brand because there isn't any value in investing in the manufacturing because tomorrow if a Coca-Cola wants to buy you, they're not looking to buy your manufacturing side because they can do manufacturing 10 times better than anyone else can. So what they look to buy is that brand. And if we have $100 in our pocket, we want to spend 99 on marketing, not on manufacturing and resources and labor. Um, so that's the direction we took to be able to actually get to market a lot quicker and have the flexibility to be able to use their resources. Fascinating. I think it makes sense when you, which you've already told us that there is an exit in mind. Yeah. But if you didn't want to exit, then you could make more margins in the future you with can. manufacturing. Yeah. And I, I think it's sometimes seen as taboo to say very early on that you want to exit a company. Um, some investors you speak to don't want to hear that. Some investors, the first question they ask is, so when do you plan to exit? When is, what is your route to exit? Um, we're very clear on where we want this brand to go. This is not going to be something that we pass down to our children. It's not that kind of brand that we want it to be. Um, it's very difficult. I think less than 1% of companies exit, but it's something that we have our North Star, if you like, and we know where we're working towards. We know in terms of revenue, what kind of milestones we need to hit in terms of distribution, where we need to be. So working towards that gives us a direction to keep heading towards. Absolutely. And that's important because yeah. there's so many pivots and things exactly. that get in the way. I think it's quite refreshing to hear it and I think it can be a good direction to go but so when you looked at the manufacturing options were there any in the region or did you have to look for a new field um so in the co-packing yeah so. co-packing so so at the time when we were looking two years ago water in a can was a bit of an alien concept um, people don't understand why you were doing it they were putting energy drinks and sports drinks into can but water in a can was a little bit new um, so there are only two or three manufacturers that we could find and they're not seo compatible manufacturers so they're not kind of pushing ads out on google to find customers because they're an industry which they're happy with the customers and the influx of orders that they have so it was very tricky tricky to find them initially uh, we went with a co-packer in europe 
um, now our demands have exceeded the the levels that they'll be able to produce first. So we've actually switched to a co-packer um, within the region. So versus six weeks lead time to be able to get product, we're now at one week lead time to be able to get product, which is great for us because if you get a customer tomorrow that says, I need X number of cans, very quickly you can produce it and get that delivered to them. Um, mm. So now as we see the business maturing, our ability to be able to pivot has actually improved because of our, we're seeing where the flaws are. Co-packing in Europe wasn't a great idea. Also, a little bit more expensive than co-packing in the region here. Mm. Where did you, which part of the region? Saudi. 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 Yeah, Amazing. So, what type of company is that? Is it an existing? Uh, water brand, a national water brand, or is it more of a supplier? Uh, it's it's a mix of both. So we've actually got two partners. We've got a water source supplier and the canning partner. So the mm. canning partner cans for one of the largest beverage companies in the world. So they are seasoned in being able to produce cans. They produce two billion cans a year. PepsiCo. Uh, yeah, PepsiCo. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. so in terms of being able to do that, it, it just makes a lot easier for us because our volumes are nowhere near their, their kind of volumes, actually. And the water supplier? It's a separate water supplier. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so we have, it's a natural source of water. So, so one of our, our key USPs for our brand is not using RO water, so reverse osmosis water, which you would find in your My Dubai's and your local waters here. That's essentially a process of taking seawater, uh, I'm very simple. I'm simplifying it, but it's okay. filtering it um, and producing uh, bottled drinking water, which is why you can retail that for a dirham or less than a dirham. We wouldn't use that because that's currently not a sustainable way to produce water. It will in the future become a sustainable way because people are investing money into R&D. But currently we're using mineral water. Natural mineral water is one of our criteria when it comes to um, producing our products. Makes it a little bit more expensive. It does make it a bit more expensive. But we have two pillars in our company. The first is a health aspect, um, which we can touch on. The second is a sustainability. The health aspect, good quality water is so important. Mm. And I think that's something that hasn't been touched on here. Mineral water People don't understand why mineral water is better for the body than drinking water that has essentially no minerals inside it because they filter everything from it. Mm. Um, so I know that you're into your sports as well. I see that you do a lot of cycling. When you are cycling, being able to consume a beverage that has high content of mineral is great for you to be able to actually replenish those minerals. Mm. Um, if you see an endurance athlete running some of their long marathons you see when their sweat dries up it's kind of like a white patch of sweat that's all the minerals that they've sweated out actually mm. and how do you replenish that you don't replenish it by drinking RO water or bottled drinking water because it has no minerals inside it so drinking a water has a high mineral content allows you to replenish those minerals and you feel that you are more satisfied when drinking that water than um a water that doesn't have minerals. It's amazing. It's a good USB. I didn't realize you could find such sources here. Yeah. So that's yeah. pretty impressive yeah, as well. Exactly. And uh, so going back to a little bit about the the product itself. So how many cans do you have? Is it one can? And what's uh, so, yeah. So two SKUs. Um, currently, we have still and sparkling three thirty ml size. Um, we are looking to expand it. Functional water is something that we're looking into right now because that's a big trend in Europe and the US. Waters that are good for probiotics and have fibers inside it, uh, low calorie as well, something people are now shifting away from high sugar content drinks um, and they're looking for those alternatives. Mm. In the UAE, there isn't currently a great alternative out there. So that's a market that we're looking into. Mm. Um, but again, if you go into a new market, it's more marketing dollars you have to spend to educate the consumers about why this is good for you. Um, but that's something on our roadmap that we're looking into. Okay, cool. And what's the price point? Uh, we retail about 395 to 495 depending on our outlets. Okay. Um, but that's, a, that's our retail point. And the 300 uh, outlets or distribution locations that you have, what are they? Uh, so Troy Thumbs all day are my 
predominantly supermarkets. So when we started our business, we thought, okay, where do we want to be? And being first time entrepreneurs, we said, okay, well, where do people buy their water from? They go to Spinney's and they go to Carf when they pick up their packs of water. So we wanted to enter that market. But what we didn't understand is that when you go to a supermarket, they have a finite amount of shelf space. And they say, well, everyone has paid X amount and PepsiCo has paid X amount for this space. In order for you to be there, you have to pay the same amounts because I have to take, let's say, two of their products off to put your products onto that. They don't have the mentality that you are a startup, so I'll give you a startup rate. They charge you the same amount that they charge incumbents in the industry. Mm. And that can be very difficult for a startup to be able to go in and penetrate that market, which is why if you go to your supermarket today, You'll see startups in every other space, but not necessarily in the beverage space, mm. um, unless there are some incubator programs, which supermarkets, some of them do run to encourage startups to go into their um, shelves. But that was a very difficult um, initial approach. We've now pivoted and said hospitality is our new market. and We want to go into hospitality because in this region, hospitality is, is a massive, massive market, huge amount of footfall going through their doors. Um, and our brand has a bit more of a premium feel, which suits a lot of the hospitality brands out here. Hospitality as in sort of B2B, or are you talking about cafes as well? Uh, B2B, cafes as well. But the volume sales that we get in hotels are... 100x that you would get in any cafe so mm. you would need to be in a lot and given that we're a startup we're a very lean startup we don't have the ability to get into 300 cafes overnight very quickly whereas we can get the same amount of work that goes into 300 cafes goes into one hotel but you get 100x the kind of volumes in one hotel so we would rather focus our efforts into these big hotel groups and get into those rather than uh, cafes and coffee shops by going to hotels, those owners see your product and see your brand and they actually end up approaching us and saying, well, actually, I love your product. I've seen your product with X establishment. You know, can I list it? Mm. Um, that's something that we've seen. The more places that we expand into, the more inbound requests that we have to list our products. What sort of regulation and licensing did you need? Um, so a couple. So you have ESMA certification. So ESMA certification is the regulation around the manufacturing process. So if you were to go to a co-packer, they would essentially have to have someone sent from Dubai to the manufacturing plant to certify the process of manufacturing. Um, that's quite a lengthy process. It was reduced because of COVID. They did most of it remote. So we took advantage of that. Um, that was one part around manufacturing. Then the second part is the EQM label. So EQM label, if you see any beverage brand, they've got a small EQM logo on there. What that means is that the governing body has actually checked that your label is fit for the region. Uh, the Arabic is spelt correctly. The font is the right size. That process took us around six months to complete. Um, we were new in it and we didn't fully understand that process. They were also reading it line by line, which was incredibly frustrating <laughs> rather than reading the entire label in one go. Um, but those are the kind of hurdles that you have to overcome um, and deal with because you can't really push back too much on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the rules. Uh, and what, what was the license and where did you set up? Uh, so we set up a Dubai mainland license. Um, we, under bad advice, to be honest with you, I set up a... Ajman as an offshore holding company, which I shouldn't have done. But given it was my first time, we paid someone who we felt was giving us the right advice and he necessarily didn't structure the company in the right way. Mm. Um, and I didn't know who else to go to, to be able to get that kind of knowledge and say, well, is this the right way to do it? Um, so we took his advice. We set it up like that. We're now restructuring the company slightly to have an ADGM as our holding company. Mm. Um, because for investments, having, uh, uh, common law is more favorable than having a 
uh, Dubai LLC as the as the investment vehicle. That's Abu Dhabi global market. Yeah. yeah, fascinating. So, Cyrus, it sounds like you've got a lot of the things in place. Like looking at your website, there's those two products, yeah. Dylan Sparkling. Yeah. It, it it does what it says on the can. <laughs> you know, <laughs> exactly. it, it kind of it, it is what it is, right? You you know you and you bootstrapped it. Uh, you have your suppliers from the region. Yeah. It's taken two years, but you, you've got a strong brand, you yeah. know, that, uh, so it sounds like you've got everything cracked. Uh, it, it <laughs> looks like that from the outside. It's funny because when I speak to my two partners, they, they say from the outside, everything looks great. From the inside, you feel like that guy at the circus who's got all these plates spinning and he's just waiting for one to fall and crack and you're just going around spinning <laughs> plates. That's what it feels like actually sometimes, but, um, it's a lot of work. It's not easy. We were very lucky in the time that we entered the market. A lot of big companies were also entering the market and the space as well. So to give you an example, we went to a supermarket and I sat down with the buying manager and I put our product in front of it. It's very proud. You know, it's water out of a can. It looks great. The price points and the margins, everything suited them. They said, well, why would I put water in a can? Our consumers don't want this. I said, but no, this is the future. This is the direction the beverage industry is going in. He didn't believe me. So I basically left his office without a deal. Two weeks later, PepsiCo came out with Aquafina in a can. They sponsored the expo event as well. Everyone's had them at the expo. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So I took a PepsiCo can, Aquafina, put it in front of me and said, look, I'm crazy, right? I don't know what I'm doing, but PepsiCo is doing it as well. Two days later, we listed. Amazing. So, so that for us was, you know, people say, do you see Aquafina's competition? In some aspects, yes, of course, they are competition because they do take some listings away from us. But in the second side, what they're doing for us is doing the marketing and the education around sustainability. Mm. And that for us is something as a startup we can't do. They are spending millions of dollars on educating the customers in the region as to why water and aluminum can is the best thing to do. The expo event, they gave them close to 20 million cans to mm. be able to actually push our message out there. So by doing that, we saw a big uptake in why water should be in an aluminum can and why that is the future of the industry. And the, the name, so new, that's the kind of German umlaut. Yeah, because, yeah, so um, I actually wanted it just to be water, but you can't trademark water as mm. a brand. So uh, new water was a bit of a play on the idea that it's a new water, a new brand. We put the umlaut on top of it because initially our manufacturing was done in Germany we thought that we would be manufacturing Germany forever. <laughs> so I thought that makes sense. But now going, we, we see that we're not actually manufacture. We're not fixed to any one manufacturer. So we're agnostic when it comes to our manufacturing plants. Yeah. Um, but of course the brand stays and I think you know, people cool. like it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Definitely. It looks good. And uh, so, uh, so what else do you do on marketing? Yeah. So we're big on social. Um, I think we are probably one of the most engaged with uh, water brands in the region. I think because if you look at the other water brand pages, they're very boring. It's product, product, product. We do a lot of messaging around our brand. We try to push out a lot of content as to the education around microplastics and sustainability rather than just trying to sell. We actually don't see our social pages as a platform to be able to sell the product um, because we feel that if you educate the customers around the benefits of it, they will naturally want to actually pick up the product because it's unique enough and they haven't seen anything around it. Um, TikTok is something I haven't touched. I was just speaking to your colleague a second ago, which I would love to, but it's a generation that missed me. I think. <laughs> Interesting. But is it a generation that will get new? Do you have, um, do you have a target audience? Age-wise? Um, it's, it's tricky. We don't necessarily have a target audience. You know, being water, um, the price point we're at is, is reachable for anyone of any age. Um, and I think actually the younger generation are now being more conscious of what brands they support. So what messages the brands are putting out, what we are 
We do a lot of impact. So we've worked with UNICEF before. We plant a tree for every box that we sell. So that for us, we feel with the younger generation resonates a lot more because they are very akin to what brands they spend their dollars on. Mm. Fascinating. So you do have that element as well. And the boxes, you can order a box on how yeah, many exactly. are in that? So we have 24 cans in one box. There's 95 dims on our website. Um, we sell on Kipsons as well. Amazon Kipsons has been a great partner for us from day one. Um, because when people are buying their groceries, they tend to, you know, add on water on top of it as well. And so that's that kind of, you know, you don't need to buy those 1.5 liter. You can buy your box of 24. Exactly. And it fits quite well in a social capacity. If you're having mixers, if you're having drinks, you can exactly. add your cans there yeah, as well. Exactly. You know, 330 ml is our focus because we're now focusing on hospitality, but later down the line, 500 ml is something that we want to bring out as well. Um, the larger bottles are more suited for gyms, restaurants, bars as well. Yeah. Um, so that's something that's on the roadmap on, to be able to deliver. Yeah, exactly. and, and, you know, you're kind of creating not necessarily a new category, but do, do you see uh, traditional ways to market? Do you see other brands that have, you know, are places that you would like to be? Um, I think the traditional ways of marketing for us as a brand is boring. Mm. And I think we don't want to do the traditional methods of marketing because we want to create content or be able to do activations, which resonates with the consumer and creates an emotion. Now, sometimes the emotion is good. Sometimes the emotion is bad. It depends what we're putting out. But as long as there's an attachment to the brand and we've left the lasting image or or sound, whatever it may be that we're pushing out on content is important for us because that makes the consumer have some sort of affiliation to what we're doing. Yeah. Um, it's very tricky. I, I think, you know, given that we're so new, we're still kind of finding our feet when it comes to our brand identity. But I think that's something that gets smelled out, you know, as you grow and as you develop as a, as a brand and you see what works for you and what doesn't work for you. Yeah. So switching tact a little bit to the topic of sustainability yeah. in general, it's obviously a, a hot topic, it is, you yeah. know, in, in the region. You've been here a few years, but yeah. it, it seems to be, more and more of a of a focus point for industries for people for everything we've had cop 27 in the region for the first time we've had we've had lots of things lots of initiatives mm. by governments you know dubai can is a great initiative yeah. um are there, is that some of the sort of uh tailwinds that is behind what you're doing and how do you view that it is i think the uae in my opinion, was about three to four years behind in terms of sustainability messaging. So if you look to Europe and the US, they are leagues ahead in terms of that. And the UAE is now starting to catch up with that. I think they're doing that because when a lot of their economy is based on tourism, the tourists are coming from regions where sustainability is at the forefront of what they do in their day to day. So whether that be you're going to your hotel and they're starting to remove plastic bottles in Europe and replacing them with alternatives, whether it be filter tap water, whether it be aluminium cans. Now the UAE is starting to pick up on that messaging. Dubai can was a great initiative launched by Sheikh Hamdan and that has allowed us to really you know, push that message of sustainability and why we should actually be able to come up with alternatives. You know, the best solution for having a sustainable way to drink your water is to be able to open your faucet, put a cup underneath it and drink that water. Not everyone has that luxury in Dubai, but with projects like Dubai Can, they're now pushing that ability for people to be able to get that, you know, natural, clean water. Yeah. So what what exactly was Dubai Can in term, and what is it and how does it, you know, we see some of the stations around the city yeah. and, and things like that, but is there an element of that you can partner with them, especially being a can as well? Yeah, we, we spoke... Well, I spoke with them very early on before it started. Um, I believe their intention was to create a physical product. Mm. Um, 
but COVID put a bit of a spanner in that works and they pivoted and now they have these clean water stations which you'll find dotted around the city. Mm. Um, so it allows anyone to really put a refillable bottle underneath it and they sell those refillable bottles as well, which is mm. another revenue stream for them. Um, and then they can get clean water from it. There is a synergy in being able to overlap given that we are both in a sustainability space. Um, conversations have been had, but very slow conversations, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so we feel that as a brand, we really want to be able to guide our own direction in which we go. Yeah. When you start working with big companies, especially government industries, they tend to want to be able to work in a certain direction and don't allow you to be able to come up with new marketing ideas overnight. Um, that's our benefit over these big beverage industries. If we have an idea, we can activate it tomorrow morning. Mm. When you have a lot of external input, there's a lot of red tape that comes with that. Yeah, that and could be investors. But yeah, but as you said, like it's good that the government is doing something. Exactly. And it's yeah. aligned with what you're doing. Yeah. And for something to move forward, you need both. Yeah. Right? You need startups and you need exactly. institutional yeah, yeah. support. Yeah. <laughs> this is not something that can be done with any one brand. We're not under the illusion that single-handedly new waters can be able to change the the market in the region when it comes to single-use plastic bottles we feel actually when when we talk about competition we encourage other companies to go into this space as well so as a group we can actually uh, combat this per year 10 million tons of plastic waste is produced in the gcc alone so that's a huge amount that's not going to be changed by any one company or by any one brand so the more people that go into it the quicker we can actually overcome that wow that, that sounds like a huge number and we, we see like adidas are doing lots of things around single-use plastic are yeah. there any other brands that would be commendable uh, giving movement is a big one yeah uh, so giving movement at their core is a sustainable brand they produced a lot of it's athleisure. I think that would be the best way to describe it. Um, so they get rid of uh, single-use plastics by doing that. Uh, Reflow is another one. There's another uh, apparel brand. So they produce uh, clothing predominantly in the golf space, but they use single-use plastic waste to produce their clothing. Mm. And we're seeing a big uptake in brands being able to actually incorporate sustainability into their business model. Mm. Um, some brands do it from a holistic point of view and they genuinely believe it. Some brands do it because it's cool to do and it's a nice little segment on their website to have. As a consumer, you have to be able to differentiate which one is doing it from a genuine stance and which one is doing it because it's the cool, trendy thing to do today. Mm. And what, what else about sort of sustainability? What, where else do you think we're lacking and what are the next sort of trends in this space? I think recycling is a big one. Um, so if you go to some apartment buildings, you will see they have recycling stations, but you as a consumer are not mandated to do that. Uh, so coming from London, if you don't recycle your trash, you will actually get a fine. And mm. that for me coming to the UAE and seeing that I have one bin in my apartment, there's no, there isn't the ability to be able to segment your trash and no one even frankly cares if you do or if you don't was a bit of a shock for me. Um, I think that's a big area in which there's room for improvement. Mm. Um, I think in this region, we are lucky because once legislation can go into effect quite quickly here, yeah. whereas in other places in the world that doesn't happen time. overnight, yeah, it takes time. So in this region, if they were to actually implement that, you would see a quick uptake overnight, being able to have the facilities to be able to recycle trash and that will come off the back of the legislation. Mm. Okay, brilliant. And so thinking of New Water's sort of next steps, uh, you mentioned we, are, are there co-founders? Yeah, so uh, two partners, uh, two of my childhood friends actually. Amazing. Um, so we actually had the idea, we were having a drink and I said, well, this could be a cool little thing for us to do. And uh, without, yeah, <laughs> without hesitation, uh, they they invested. We equally invested into the company. Yeah. Um, investing with friends has its challenges, but 
if you have an argument today, the next morning, it's, it's kind of brushed aside. Um, and it allows us, we're all really equally passionate about what we do. Mm. Um, and I think that's important because if you have the passion and you're having a really bad day, it's really easy to say, we've had so many opportunities where we say we could give up here. Um, but we've continued pushing it because we're so passionate about what we do and the brand and the direction this business could go into. Um, so having friends being able to kind of pick up the slack or being able to kind of push each other forward has, has been a big benefit. And are any of them full time? No. No, it's full time. And so yeah. it's only three. You don't have, yeah. well, we don't. So, so our model is really, um, number one is to run lean. And the second is to be able to use distribution. So we have a great distribution partner. Um, they manage all the sales, accounting, all the work that we've be done internally. We mainly manage the brand and the marketing because mm. that's not something that they have core competencies in. Um, our competencies in brand and marketing be able to push that out. Theirs is in sales and distribution. Um, and that's where you get the revenue generated from. What's the business strategy around doing a seed round versus finding a strategic partner? And what sort of valuation can this type of company? I mean, so it's difficult. Valuations, they can be inflated. Um, but if you look at traditional water brands exiting in this industry, um, they're multi-billion dollar exits. So you have Smart Water as one. Uh, you have Vitamin Water was another one. These are billion plus exits. Um, there's another canned water brand in the US called Liquid Death. They have a massive polarizing branding. They've been on the market, I would say, about four years now. Very similar concept, white and black cans. Um, they just achieved a valuation of $700 million on their fourth round, and they're looking to IPO in the next couple of years. And it's crazy to think that they would IPO because if they don't know any manufacturing. They use co-packing agreements. They are essentially a brand and Instagram, a website and distribution. Mm. Um, so to achieve a valuation of close to a billion dollars and even consider IPOing is massively commendable, but it speaks to the size of the beverage industry. Mm. Um, the annual growth rate of the beverage industry in this region is 10% over the next five years. Um, so it really is, you know, as the population grows, we see an increase in that demand for being able to get good quality water as well. Amazing. And, uh, so that's happening now. That's, you're looking at doing that. At the yeah, moment. we're doing that now. So we're speaking to investors. Um, we're not going across institutional investors. Family offices are more appealing to us individuals because, uh, we feel there is the ability to be able, especially at this round. It's not a huge round that we're looking to do. What size? 750k US. Okay. And that for us is enough to be able to scale the brand um, and build it and to get to our potential Series A. Okay. Okay. That's really impressive. I think it'll be interesting for people who, you know, want to look at this space. We are seeing other sort of companies, uh, you know, you mentioned, uh, um, uh, it's gone now. The athleisure one. Yeah, uh, 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 yeah. Giving movement and reflux. Yeah. Yeah. So imagine. So they're also kind of a couple of years in. Yeah. In Dubai, we, you know, there's other distribution companies who are doing well on distribution. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just it seems to be a, a dynamic city for you know to be able to set up something like this and there's a current yeah. kind of positive uh, uh, energy around it. Like, do, yeah. are you are you do you think you're in the right place at the right time in the region? I think right place and right time has, has something to do with it. I think setting up a business in the UAE has its own challenges. It's not an easy thing to do in comparison to the UK with the equivalent of a hundred dirhams and a laptop. You can set up a business overnight. Um, I think the UAE has some way to go in being able to allow entrepreneurs to do that from their bedroom very easily without having to pay someone to guide them around the space. I think until that is tackled, being able to create a space for an entrepreneur to quickly come up with an idea is not there yet. Um, you can spend anywhere from 
five to 15,000 dirhams and setting up a business license, it can take you an absolute lifetime to get a bank account because the first question they ask is, how many millions of dollars will you do in your first year? So that question alone means that they are not tuned to what a startup is. Mm. Aspirationally, a few million dollars in your first year is great, but most startups don't do that, mm. especially if you're self-funded. So um, I think there's some work to be done. I think it's a great industry to be able to work in because in terms of marketing, there's a lot of power to what you can do and branding. Um, but it's not yet at the space, which I feel it should be in terms of being able to set up a business quite quickly. Yeah. Uh, a lot of entrepreneurs I've spoken to, they have a great idea. When they ask me how much does a business license cost, they tell me that's their entire budget to set up a business so mm. um that is still a hurdle which I, I think needs to be overcome okay and what about uh next steps with you know with that raise uh what else would you do would you go into other markets yeah so ksa is a market for us that we're looking into uh, we see there's a big opportunity there for sales especially what they're doing around sustainability on the neon project as well that is actually the forefront of what they speak about when they speak about this project and that for them and is red a, sea global as well as exactly a lot of, uh, yeah, environmental yeah. And, and for them these projects if you go onto their website sustainability is the first thing that you see mm. um, so being able to would they use single use plastic bottles unlikely because that is not a sustainable way to be able to produce beverage for your consumers so I think they are looking for alternatives that's a segment that we would use this investment to go into mm. it sounds like it's you know the region is a little bit early in terms of sustainability it these is, cities yeah. are being built is it not something that you would have a longer view on um longer view but i think if you cement yourself today as the brand that champions sustainability when the market is ready to be able to um get sales here because sales is our is our metric then we feel we are in the right place we don't want to be late to the game we want to be early and be able to when people say actually i need to get a water brand on board who do they think of we want them to think of new water mm. um and that for us being early is, is, is something that we prefer to do. Mm. Um, and we can, in a way, guide and direct the message around sustainability within the region. And mm. um, what is the right thing to do? What is the right thing not to do? Um, and having that kind of control, I think, is, is the right direction. And is there anything, uh, in, so we're in Q4 now, we're at yeah. the end of the year with view to next year. Are there any new launches, products or partnerships that you're working on? Yeah, we've got an exciting launch happening with a hospitality group, which is still under wraps, okay. um, but it is launching early next year um, we're massively excited by that because that has been 12 months in the works uh, so 12 months of, of back and forth and branding and redesigning but uh, eventually got there and that's something that will be kind of our, our cherry on top of the cake if you like in terms of our listings yeah so that's a, a co-branded product it's a co-branded product so we don't actually offer co-branding but given that this hospitality group was when i started one of the top three brands i wanted to partner with when they asked i said absolutely okay um, and their brand is so strong globally actually um, that it was something that i said you can't say no to that and what sort of uh size of distribution will that be uh Millions of cans, yeah. Millions of cans, yeah. So, and you'll do that through your partner in yeah, Saudi? Exactly, yeah. 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 That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, and, and sort of will you be looking at hiring people and what, what sort of areas, like you mentioned marketing, you, you obviously work with partners and everything else. Yeah. Is Do you need operations people? Exactly, yeah. That's, that's the first stage because, you know, when you're bringing millions of cans into the country, uh, just the logistics around getting, I mean, it's, it's around 60 plus containers we're looking at every quarter. So, Wow. When you're bringing those kind of volumes in, you need someone to be able to manage that on a day-to-day -to, -day to make sure that that happens seamlessly.
seamlessly, uh, stock levels, flow, quality control, because there's so many things that can go wrong and that needs someone that has a detail on it every day. It's not the best use of my time. I can do it, but it's not where I'm best used in the company. Mm. Um, so getting someone on board to be able to do that is something that we would do once that launches. And do you think that you guys can exit this business without... Uh, assuming I don't know guys or girls uh, your partners can exit this business without leaving your current jobs um, or is there a tipping point where you need to sort of go all in it, it depends I mean it depends on the direction that the business goes um, we take it day by day it's not something that we've considered yet if for example you have an investor that comes into the business and says this is a requirement for us then mm. that's something that we have to consider then but for now we believe the business is going at a good pace we are not for example depending on the business to pay salaries out so that kind of money can be reinvested into marketing um, we would rather hire people that are lower level that can do more generic work as well that can be able to scale the brand a lot quickly mm. and your current companies have obviously been supportive of this they have you yeah. know with, with yeah. they've signed NOCs exactly. they, they know yeah. you're obviously talking about it publicly yeah. Yeah. so that's that's great place to be in as well yeah i think i think it depends what company you work for um i think it depends if there's an overlap in the industries of course that that might throw up a red flag but given that there's no overlap and i think people see that this business comes from a, from a um a good intention to be able to create a great solution for the for the population in the gcc um they've been supportive so far amazing yeah. well thanks so much cyrus for coming no, on for uh, we're out of time that's flown by uh really fascinating to hear the backstory obviously i've seen the brand online but sounds like it's going places thank you very much thanks for having me appreciate thanks it. thanks a lot That was very entertaining and full of information. Uh, I found it very useful. I hope you did too. So thank you for Cyrus for being so transparent with that. I'd also like to thank our sponsors, Evest, who've been with us now for uh, for the last few months. Uh, so thank you for their continued support. Uh, producing today, Ali's on leave and it's been Richie and Shahir. Thank you guys. If you're listening on audio, please do like, follow, subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Angami, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, on Smashy TV, download the app, uh, watch Smashy TV. You can uh, get a free subscription. And you have almost 200 Dubai Works episodes to, uh, to subscribe and to watch uh, there. So uh, we're back as usual every Friday, 11 a.m. Enjoy the weekend.